1: of death and grief. Each week, I talk to a different person about their experiences of grief and death as we remember someone that they have lost along the way, whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club. Welcome to Griefcast.
2: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. for fifty to eighty percent less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and three hundred and sixty five day returns.
0: Carry at Lloyd's grief cost. Vocal track recording. Now I am going to call up the invite. Oh shit, I'm late. Oh shit, I'm one minute late. Oh, are you okay to do 11:45? Sorry, hope that's okay. That's fine, Carriad. <sighs> Fucking messing me around like I'm not important. I am important. I'm important. Oh, I'm reply to carriad. Uh what'll I put? Hope that's okay. Yes Sh- no, I'm gonna go for sure. Sure. No problem. Um kiss 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 F- uh, three kisses, one big kiss, hug, no, that's too many kisses. Uh, a with a kiss. Oh, that's very relaxed. Sure, no problem, carry out. Hey, that's cool. All right, send. It's gone. All right, back in 15 minutes then, I guess.
1: Hey, Greasters. Uh, I think you can probably guess who this week's guest is from that excellent ramble that he just did. Um, I was going to go straight into the show, but obviously, I normally say, hope you're having an okay week what a week to ask that question Uh, if you are listening from England we're about to go into our second lockdown I think Scotland is as well I know Wales is already in it I just want to send you oh I don't know some chocolate and some love and a hug uh, because I know if you are grieving in any way this is this is really tough and this time of year is tough anyway because it's dark and cold and we're Heading up for lots of um, religious festivals that might be important or just family time. So, yeah, I normally save it for the end of the show, but I just want to say you are not alone. So he is our second returning guest. He is the incredible Adam Buxton. I'm sure you know him. He's the king. He's the king of podcasts in this country. He's just the incredible hilarious human if you haven't listened to his podcast you're not doing podcasts right is what I would say and it's a bit of a weird one with griefcast because obviously if somebody comes back on it's because something else has happened so I feel obviously slightly bittersweet but it was as ever just a total joy to speak to him um if you have listened to the show from the beginning you know he was our first episode he came in to talk to me about his dad who had very recently passed away when he came to talk to me and this episode, Adam is talking about his mum who passed away during lockdown. Um, I'm just so grateful that he exists because his podcast is a thing of joy that will make this next few weeks slightly more bearable, And that he was willing to come and talk to me and share his story again. So thank you, Adam, and I hope you enjoy the show.
0: There was a period where we were quite enjoying ourselves as a family i have 3 children a wife and a dog and we made an effort to eat together and actually which which we used to be quite bad mm. at doing like it used to be a few days would go by and and we wouldn't really have seen each other but actually at the beginning of this year we made a conscious effort like this is crazy we've got to stop ourselves disappearing off into our own caves every time we're at home and we've at least got to come together and sit down for a proper meal and so we did that and we were in that habit by the time the lockdown was announced in March so that was good but then my mum died Mm. and it that was bad and it all started going wrong in the build-up to that event she died at the end of May and for the beginning like towards the end of April and the beginning of May, I started getting really worried about her. And I'd been speaking to her fairly regularly and checking up on her. And she was always insistent that she was fine. She was on her own. And she doesn't live super near, in, does,
1: she? Where does she?
0: No, no, she lives down outside Reading. Okay, yeah, yeah. State she lives, I, I'm still mm-hmm. thinking in the present. But, um, yeah, she had a house in outside reading in this little chocolate boxy village she kept on insisting that she was fine stop fussing mm, i yeah. get the feeling i get the feeling that you think i'm doing very badly but i'm not i'm fine and i wish you would stop fussing and at first i would think okay i'll just need to persevere and then she'll yeah. chill out and she'll be able to accept my concern and my help and she will maybe respond to some of my more practical suggestions but she never did she was just so determined to plow on and Mm. not be a burden and don't fuss and i'm fine and i should have i should have been more worried than i was but you know the the reality was like there seemed to be so much else going down that if she was telling me she was fine i was happy to go along with it you know what i mean and
1: it's very very difficult with that parent-child relationship To because also i mean obviously i understand you know you are in a situation she's passed away and you are in that, that very early bit where you you're going through all the things that could have and all those doors that you chose to take so i understand that process but i also think say you had gone no I'm coming down now. Like maybe that would have angered her and and upset her because you have as a parent, like it's so hard, isn't it? Like when they do say, leave me alone, I'm fine. Partly, you sort of has has to sometimes go, I, okay, well, that's the version you want to be true. So I kind of, can't, I can't be like, because they're not a child. They're not, even though you are, that relationship is changing. Do you have brothers and sisters as well?
0: Yeah, I do. Yeah.
1: All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm so the oldest. Hard. <clears throat> right. Yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? It's, I find that change I'm, I'm sort of in that process at the moment my mum would be so offended but like you know she's she's getting older and there is that more you're moving into that period where like I might ring my brother and be like um she said that is that do you think that's alright like mm-hmm. <laughs> she said she did and it's a weird change isn't it where the dynamic is oh I I am being a bit more are you okay but it sounds like you asked you tried if if somebody is like I'm fine what can you do
0: yeah No, it's a a real balancing act because it is, in a way... I worry that sometimes you can be a little bit narcissistic, sort of thinking that everybody needs your help and it's all Mm. like, um, oh, they're just waiting for me to come and sort them out. And no, people value their independence and Mm. you have to respect that. The thing was, I suppose, that she'd been deteriorating for a couple of years. She started losing her memory. Well, I became aware that she was losing her memory about three years ago, I suppose. And she had cancer, you know, she had, she got breast cancer about a decade ago, but then seemed to recover and be in remission and it was all fine. And then she got a tumor on her skull about five years ago, but she was all like, it's fine. It's not life-threatening. I'm doing, the NHS are great. They're so nice. I'm doing chemo and I'm on pills and it's all good. It's not a bad tumour. It's one of the best tumours. I was like, OK. And again, you know, you're like, well, good. If you Are you sure? You're not just yeah. saying that to make me happy. No, I'm fine. It's all fine. And uh, I was like, OK, all right. So I thought it was all under control. But evidently, I think uh, I think it was just wearing her down in all sorts of ways. And she was slowing down. And then her memory started going. I don't know if that was related to the humor or not and, and i was trying to establish all these things you know i was i was mm. trying to get her tested at the memory clinic and all this kind of thing but it's hard to do it remotely even before lockdown mm. you know yeah and coordinate with them and then you you know you would get an appointment you have to wait six months for an appointment you get the appointment and then then they sort of say oh no she's fine and i'm like
1: yeah
0: well how really I mean, her memory's not that great. And they're like, no, no, she's fine. And she says she's fine. I'm like, you fell for the... She
1: she said, of course (laughs) she
0: said she was fine. She does that with me, but you're supposed to be... That's her trick.
1: Yeah. That's what she does. Yeah, it's fair. I've got a friend who um, lost her mum recently and her dad has dementia, but he has sort of not, like, immediately serious dementia. So she's struggling to get help for him because he kind of can remember stuff, but then he really can't remember other stuff and so they got him to the memory clinic and and she you know he's very she's like he's amazing so he went in and was like oh i think i know what i'm doing here and he kind of answered the questions and charmed them all and they left going i think he's fine she was like wow like he's a really good actor isn't he that was an incredible performance and you all believed it because she i think when you see the everyday of someone it's very different isn't it but Mm. again if someone's putting up that i'm fine it's How do you, without being like, you're lying, (laughs) which is not helpful. No, in a way,
0: I kept on thinking it sort of comes down to respecting another person's personal philosophy. Mm. My mum's philosophy was always very different from my dad's and mine. I think I've inherited many of my dad's more downbeat ways of thinking Mm. about life. And I'm a worrier and my mum was sort of the opposite. She didn't want to worry about things and her technique was to ignore them. Ignore them? Mm. Ignore them. And (laughs) (laughs) so she would just ignore anything she didn't like the look of and Mm. just get on with it and more or less bury her head in the sand and have fun. And, you know, it served her really pretty well, that way Mm. of dealing with things. She had a good time. She was way more upbeat and happy and full of laughter than my dad ever was. Mm. But she didn't live as long as my dad. And I think part Mm. of that reason is that she, you know, that philosophy can only carry you so far. And the the drawback to it is that it will often mean that you don't deal with things that you ought to deal with. Or Mm. that it might be wise to deal with.
1: It's really... And that's what i mean that. i think what you said earlier is really interesting to respect someone's philosophy because if that is someone's philosophy and that is how they've lived their life and that is how they've ended up with their you know where they are in that point with that house and that husband and that like that's guided them all the way that will also affect their death
2: mm-hmm. and
1: i think that's really sometimes not talked about enough um i've said on the show before but like so my dad was a very like full-on person like live life to the full you know really like run marathons run triathlons I'm gonna do this this and this and when he died he really refused to talk about he was dying he was like no I'm gonna we're gonna go here next week book a ticket for Boston you know and like I remember sitting in the in the cancer ward like basically the dying ward with him with him being like yeah next week we'll do this and me and my mum being like this is awkward like we're not Mm. doing that thing And I used to feel so frustrated by that. And it's taken me some therapy to be like, that's how he lived. So that's how he died. You can't sort of stop someone being them. You can't be like, no, now you have to have a conversation where you face your life and you talk to me and you admit you're dying. Because he would never admit he's wrong ever, ever, ever. (laughs) And I think to him it was like, no, no, I'm not not dying. Excuse me. No, no, we can talk our way out of this. So, yeah, I think that with your mum, like you said, if she had suddenly changed her philosophy, then... Yeah, maybe it, would, it wouldn't it would have fitted who she was as a person. But obviously you're still left with those feelings of being her son and the sadness of not being able to help in the way that you did try to. So it's like that yeah. those two things exist at the same time. She had to live like that and you have to live with now what's happened. So it's, it's really hard balance.
0: It is. Although it definitely took the edge off some of the guilt and the angst mm. afterwards, you know, which you feel whatever, I think. However it goes down, you, you feel somewhat responsible. So um, basically, it became clear to me that she was struggling. And there was a whole load of other bits and pieces going on that, was, that were kind of weird. Like there was some tradesman who'd done some work. And it was pretty clear that he'd ripped her off. And he, was, and he, and he was taking advantage of her, as far as I could tell. Yeah. And it was the most awful feeling because this was in the, right in the midst of the lockdown.
1: Oh, God. And the strictest
0: part. That whole Dominic Cummings story was yeah. everywhere. And people were like, fuck you, man. It's not one rule for you and one rule for mm. everybody else. And I was thinking, shit, you know, I want to go and scoop mum up. But it's not one rule for me and one mm. rule for everybody else. And huh? Ah. And then eventually I, it became clear to me that this was an emergency. And as, yeah. and as far as I could tell, well, that, that changed the um, situation. So I went and and got her and thought, OK, well, she can stay with us.
1: Did you have that conversation with her? Did you sort of say, Right, well, I'm coming to get you? Or
0: Eventually, yeah, because mm. ev- eventually she was like someone found her wandering around mm. in, in Waitrose oh. all confused, yeah. you know i think it was a good samaritan and they got her back to her house i mean it's so it was it was really upsetting and maddening because Mm. i didn't know if it was a good samaritan or someone who was just burgling her or i didn't know what was going on and it was all filtered through my mum's hazy grasp of what was happening in her bad memory and who everyone was and all this kind of thing so i just thought well this is mad and 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 Anyway, I think it was a good Samaritan, and, and and she phoned and said, "Look, I'm here with your mum," and um, she was uh, a bit confused. And waitrose, I got her back, and I said, "Hey, mum, who's that there with you?" And she was like, "Oh, I think it's I think it's someone who's come to do some cleaning." That's nice, isn't it? And I was like, "Yeah, that's great. I didn't know you had a cleaner." Anyway, mm. I was like, "Okay, I'm going to come and get you now." <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And even then, she said well, don't come and get me today um, because it's not convenient. Um, Come and get me tomorrow. And I was like, all right. Anyway, so I turned up and it was she was just in a bad way. And it was clear Mm. that she had just been robotically going through her daily routines.
1: Yeah, yeah. Even
0: though she had all sorts of stuff that was wrong and a kind of kidney infection and various other effects of uh, the cancer and hadn't been taking medication and was very thin and so it was it was she was in a bad way. And um you know, and the but she'd just been keeping on with her routines. Going mm. to the shops, buying all the things, taking them home but she wasn't eating anything, so the the fridge yeah. was all just stuffed with food that was all going off and nice. you know, all her she she liked a bottle she liked a, a glass of wine of an evening, so there was just bottles of wine everywhere, but none of them had been drunk and oh man, it was bad. And I just thought, okay. So I just did a quick clean of the house and and then I said, come on, let's go and bundled her into the car and got back home. But when I got home, my wife was like, whoa, she is not doing well. Mm. And so the next day we, we went into hospital and I was hoping that the doctors were going to say, okay, she's just a bit run down and here's what you need to do. Yeah. But they admitted her and... um She was there for three days and then they said, "Okay, well, she's okay to come out now. But it's so weird and and mysterious, the whole process of Mm. doctors and hospitals and they don't know everything. They're kind of Mm. guessing a lot of the time and maybe they're not telling you certain things that, you know, this maybe they're not telling you when there's not much they can do. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. It's you're kind of trying to figure out put all the pieces together anyway she came back but she was in she was in a very weakened state and the next uh the next night she was home she died um oh, and I was sat up with her all night you know because she was in a bad way and <sighs> she was complaining of pains in her stomach and things like that and it was terrible because I couldn't I didn't know how to alleviate that pain that particular pain I was phoning up the NHS and Asking if I should give her painkillers, they were like, oh, no, probably not.
1: So you had no, like, care or anything, no one, palliative care or anything like that. Oh, they hadn't really said to you, no. you need palliative care. God. No, they
0: just sort of sent her home.
1: Oh, man.
0: But I phoned, you know, I was really worried. and So I spent the whole of the first day phoning up the GP and trying to get an appointment there. And we were going to see the GP the next day. Uh, but she didn't make it.
1: Oh, Adam, that's um, so quick. It's so quick.
0: Yeah, I think she was just, I think she was just so duffed in. Mm. But she was a trooper, so she kind of carried on. But I I, I just think in the state she was, it just didn't really take much
1: to tip
0: her over. Well, and I've uh, talked
1: on the show before about, like, the body. We sometimes get very linear with the body, but actually it's like, it's a cobweb. So, like, when one thing is not working, it's affecting another thing. And, like, actually all these things can contribute to somebody being very ill and they I mean I've been astonished by stories of the way that someone very ill can keep going until someone until someone realizes you know that feeling of like hang on this person isn't okay and they're like no I'm not am I but they've you know they've been to the shops that day they've literally seen friends and people have the human will to just, like you said, keep your do those routines is yeah, like, like is the sound, Duracell
0: bunny, are just yeah. kind of bumping up against the wall, like, even as you're running down.
1: Yeah. But like, thank God that you did go and scoop her up. Like that, you did go and get her, and she was with you. That's that's yeah. No,
0: it would have been way worse. That was the thing oh, that I yeah. thought. If Im- I, I imagined what it would have been like if I'd got a call from the cops or something or, mm. or from a neighbour yes. and and she was on her own ay, ay, ay. I wouldn't have been able to deal with that mm. and and it was a comfort to, to remind myself that she was where she wanted to be and, mm. and she got into that state because she was determined to be independent she liked where she lived, mm. she liked the village and the people around her she liked going for a walk through the churchyard every day where she's now buried and she'd walk down to the mm. river and she was upset and confused by the lockdown and the fact that mm. everyone was keeping their distance and she didn't quite have her head round it, really. Yeah. Um, she just she was just soldiering on.
1: So you spent that night with her and then you said she passed away the next day, is that right?
0: She passed away that night. That so night. So she was just getting worse and worse in the night and I was really worried about her. And I was thinking, I don't know what to do. And then then I, I just got very worried and I phoned the um, ambulance. And then they came over and they run through their whole routine of... Because hmm. you know, I'm still in the mindset of, okay, she's bad. She's weak. Yeah. She's been in hospital for a few days. She just needs some looking after. Then she's going to bounce back. Um, she was 81. Hmm. So... I mean, that's old, but it's not ancient, ancient. Anyway, my dad was 91 when he died. Wow. So I was thinking, I I had that fixed in my head as an (laughs) unreasonably as a, oh, everyone lives to 91.
1: Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah.
0: (laughs) You know, even though that's a long time. Anyway, um, the, what are they called? uh, EMTs, the emergency medical tech guys, they turn up in their ambulance with their, Machines and their shock pads and their gurneys and everything, and um, it's a little bit like having your house raided by some special mm. branch of the cops. You know they were <laughs> they were nice, but they're in EMT mode, so yeah, they're not yeah, going. Yeah. How are you doing? Would you like a cup of tea? Is everything everything's going to be okay? Don't worry. They're just like where where do we go? Right, step back. We are going to do our things, and they're sort of chatting technical jargon to each other and then they sort of go through the the um, disclaimer, like, okay, you appreciate that. Um, you know, Do you want us to revive her if she stops breathing? Um, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Well, we should say that uh, from looking at her, it looks unlikely that she would survive uh, resuscitation. Um, and there is a chance when we take her down to the ambulance that she will die in transit. Are you uh, oh aware God. of that? Are you okay with that? They weren't they, they weren't saying this brutally. I'm making it sound like they were being callous. They weren't. Yeah. They were just going through their checklist. What they
1: have to say. Uh...
0: Exactly, in, an, in as an efficient way as possible. And I was just like, yeah, 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 fine. You know, whatever.
1: Just, just, just do the thing, just do it. Yeah,
0: I was like, okay. You know, I was packing a bag to go to hospital. I was like, here we go. It's gonna be hospital time now for the next few days, weeks, whatever. And uh, so they get her on the, they get her on the gurney. Meanwhile, my mom's sort of in and out of lucidity. I mean, she's pretty much gone by that point, but she's still conscious and, but she's pulling away at the at the mask, the oxygen mask. Mm. I'm like, no, mum, keep the mask on. But she's not really chatting. And she's not really saying anything. Anyway, they they put her on the, they strap her to the gurney and they lift her up and and take her downstairs. But she uh, and then they and they put her in the back of the ambulance and we're stood out there, me and my wife. And then and then he says, uh, I'm afraid her heart stopped. Oh, Adam. yeah. And so. Um, so it's like, oh, shit, that happened. They said it might. And it has. And it's a really bad moment. You're like, whoa, whoa hang on a second. Now this is a nightmare. They said it was. I didn't think that was a realistic possibility.
1: Yeah, you just thought you would like terms and conditions apply. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, sure, yeah, sure, yeah.
0: So. And so oh, then it's least. like your mind is reeling and it's all these weird thoughts are, are, are zipping through, you know, like oh my god, she's gone and oh no, I let her down and oh shit, maybe she'd still be alive if I didn't go and pick her up in from her home and all these stuff like in, yeah. in, in milliseconds you're processing and and then memories happy memories and sad memories and then sort of weird very practical calculations like oh I'd, I'd kind of mapped out the rest of this year and possible next few years as mum's going to be living with us and we're going to be looking after her and now that's not going to happen And, oh, I suppose that leaves me with a bit more time for (laughs) DIY. You know, all these kind of strange thoughts are going through and you're processing them and you're dimly aware of some of them. And and I was thinking, shit, my brother and sister are going to think that I killed her. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They're going to be thinking, oh, why did... It's all about you and your big house in the country, isn't it? Why don't you just leave well enough alone? (laughs) She was fine. And now (laughs) you've brought her out (laughs) to (laughs) Norfolk and you killed her. So fuck you. Totally, You're like not getting any Christmas presents.
1: Totally relate to being a sibling. And and that's like, like, oh God, I was in charge when that thing happened. Like, oh no. Like,
0: yeah.
1: Oh shit. I'm going to get shit for this, aren't I? Like. Oh man. But of course, it was like, so strange. So then she was just in the ambulance. Like what? Such a... And also I'm, I really, 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 really feel for you because this is a difficult situation anyway. Normal life. But this in lockdown when it's like and may was like still pretty serious lockdown mm-hmm. um you know i just yeah like what how did the process then happen because i'm also wondering which maybe is not a helpful thought but like would you have been sent home like that if it hadn't been locked down would social services been in touch quickly like, it's so everything's been on such a weird plane of existence that when you're trying to do things i guess like you know have a wedding deal with someone dying like everything's all skewed and bizarre and not working in the way it's meant to mm. so what happened afterwards
0: yeah it was all very odd I mean I definitely I definitely feel as if you know all right she she was going to be in trouble anyway for mm. various reasons but the lockdown was a disaster for her mm. and um, she definitely slipped through the cracks in that way and it was strange having the EMT guys In our house, because it was like, oh, these were the first people we'd seen since the the lockdown began, you know, a couple of months or something. You know, it was all social distancing and all that. But but it was very, it was so strange. Anyway, so they take her to the hospital. Then they do the autopsy and the Mm. coroner's report and all that stuff. And then it was a question of arranging the funeral which was in the uh, town where she lived and I think they said that we were allowed 11 people at that point um, yeah I think so, it, went,
1: it went up but, but yeah it's yeah. got 12, 12 or 11 for ages, right wasn't
0: it? Uh, so it was my cousins and um my brother and sister and my family and actually that was okay It was it was uh again the first time that we'd been out. I think by that time they had eased the lockdown a little bit mm. so you were allowed to travel and it was nice to get out in a way mm. and the it was a really miserable rainy day but, but there was about half an hour of sunshine suddenly. So it was nice that that funeral experience was okay but everything around it was just uh, mad and and felt overwhelming and it was much sadder than than when my dad died because Mm. i spoke to you about that last time Mm. (laughs) that was all expected because he'd been with us he was ill he had cancer and Mm. um, we were fairly well aware of his prognosis and he kind of conformed to it more or less and um, he was with us for nine months and by the end of it it was like okay we, we we know what's coming and there was, a, there was a part of me that felt relieved when it was over, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with my mum, it was so quick and sudden yeah. and I really didn't expect it. And then it's like, oh, both of them are gone. And you feel mm. like, um, oh, I'm all alone.
1: Mm.
0: And I'm 51 and, oh, shit, this is, it's all downhill now. That, that, that's <laughs> the end of the fun part. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm the next one to go. So you get all these feelings, you know, yeah, all these kind yeah. of midlife crisis-y feelings rushing in.
1: My mum lost both her parents in two weeks of each other. Oh, right. Um, about, I know, about a year before my dad, which at the time I never really took on board. But now as an adult, I'm like, that is awful. But she said, and my husband's lost both his mum and his dad. And she actually said, to, I remember her saying to him when it happened, she was like, you you suddenly feel the most alone you've ever felt. Yeah. Like you do feel alone. It's crazy because... Alone?
0: I'm, because I'm not alone. No, I've got a family. I've got children. I've got a dog. I've got <laughs> friends, even though the they're peop- socially the, distanced. Yeah. But and I think there's something. On Zoom.
1: Yeah, it's something primal about the people who made you not being there. Yeah, anymore.
0: that's the thing.
1: And my husband said this. Ben said that he was like, weirdly, it's the it's the most free I've ever felt mm-hmm. because I've I don't have anybody to make proud or judge or any of that yeah. thing is gone but you can also go that, out
0: you can come back whenever you want you can <laughs> yeah, wear yeah. that ridiculously short skirt you can go out you can looking do like it
1: that. yeah <laughs> but he said like he was like you suddenly were aware of like what how much they how much you are always thinking of them how much you mm-hmm. had been thinking of them in your life so it's sort of freeing in one way that obviously he was he was absolutely devastated when his mum died they were very close and he was like but weirdly i've spent a lot of my time you know wanting her to be proud and and that process and the complicated parent-child relationship but also i feel feel so alone now i don't have that conversation anymore it's like mm. it's it's still internal obviously but yeah to lose both of them and it really wasn't that long ago you lost your dad to be fair like so yeah four years ago that's that's no time
0: yeah i know it's weird i mean there's it it, it feels odd to be I realized like, shit, everyone goes through this, you know, hopefully, Mm. hopefully they outlive their parents. But it suddenly made me think about the people, my friends who had lost their parents and Mm. uh, one friend in particular whose dad died when she was only in her 20s. And I remember at the time, even then, my relationship with my parents had become quite formal Mm. and um, we weren't especially close and in your 20s, you're all kind of pumped up with independence and like, I can do anything I want and fuck everybody else. And, well, yeah. that was me anyway. <laughs> I was p- pretty selfish and and bent on just making myself happy. And uh, I didn't think about my parents too much. And I remember when my friend's dad died and she was absolutely devastated. I remember thinking, like, chill out. <laughs> 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 it's only your dad. Come on he was old anyway like
1: (laughs) dad's boring (laughs) oh yeah and you're not in um, the club you don't know you don't know yeah
0: and then it's like oh okay oh even if you're not even if like she loved her dad as well Mm. so holy shit must have been awful i'm not saying i didn't love my parents but she was very close to them
1: yeah and
0: um yeah, now just just thinking about even if you have a pretty shitty relationship with your parents, when they're gone, I think it is just very strange. It's a strange feeling, primal feeling
1: of loss, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I and as I said combined with your mum dying very suddenly, even though you said there were these things, I think also sometimes when people have things, but they've been sort of coping, you yeah. you go into a bit of a place where you're like, oh, they're kind of, they're someone who survives things. Like your brain does that, like, you know, they're not someone who got ill and then they died. They got cancer, then that was it. they like, they had cancer and they did okay. So yeah, I think that'd be all right. And you all kind of get into that. Yeah, they, they survive. That's what they do. So then it's very, it's, it's hard when someone like that, like you said, then, then is immortal, is mortal because your brain is like, oh, no that's not she's someone who just like you said keeps going troops on yeah. and for them to suddenly for the mt people to suddenly say that to you it must have been really yeah really shocking
2: hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Welcome back to GriefCast with Carrie Lloyd. I've spoken to someone else who lost their dad in lockdown, um, who, again, was, was, wasn't COVID-related, was ill before. And she said, I don't know how you feel about this, she said that she really appreciated the, um, the quiet that she had mm-hmm. to think about it. Because normally she'd be gigging and she'd be out, and but I don't know sometimes, because this was obviously your se- you know second parent to go. did you appreciate the kind of time you've had to think, or were you actually like, "I would really love some work right now to not be thinking about this?
0: I think probably that, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think more and more, in fact, the longer this situation continues, mm. that I am not doing that well mm. with with this routine. And that I miss people
1: (coughs) really badly
0: it really did feel like oh shit I'm sliding into something bad and lonely Mm. here and rather than being someone who like my ma she would have distracted herself in some effective way but I kind of uh, dive right into it
2: Mm. and so
0: first of all I was going through all her possessions because that's one thing you know we went and did a pass on her house and kind of took out most of the valuable personal items and and photo albums and things like that. So I went through all her photographs and things and all this stuff that I'd never seen before. And this part of her life, her young life before she met my dad and had a Mm. family that she never talked about. She never told us about. My parents never told us anything about what their lives were like before we came along. You know, I think they, they sort of thought that they had to maintain that, fiction that mm. they didn't exist before they met each other you know what i mean they were always our mummy and daddy
1: yeah yeah
0: but of course they weren't they had their own lives they went out with other people they had different personalities and and you know you find all the, the these clues and these bits of evidence of of a person just like you someone who was stupid sometimes <laughs> and silly and and selfish and made dirty jokes and mm. and it was very absorbing for me i just kind of fell into this rabbit hole of of reading bits and pieces and old letters and diaries that she'd kept and and looking through photographs and like whoa look at all that i never realized that she'd done that or she used to be a i knew that she was a um flight attendant oh wow and that's how she met my dad but i'd Very never
1: glamorous at that time
0: yeah it really was yeah. yeah it was like being a model or something yeah yeah and um I'd never seen any evidence of it, though. I only had her oh. word for it that she... Anyway, so I found all these photographs of her and her wow. gear and, and um, all the places that she'd travelled and hanging out with these kind of sleazy-looking pilots. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oh, my God, amazing. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: it was crazy. But at the same time, you know, I, I would... Then I would find photographs of us all together when we were little. Mm. And, th- and those hurt.
1: Mm.
0: Just thinking, oh shit, man. It's all gone. You know. But I mean it was it was good as well. And it reminded me how much I loved her. But it did it did make me feel like fuck. I do wish I'd said more. Mm. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> no, don't be silly. Sorry. It's the show for it, don't worry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah oh dear that's the other thing is that is that my old man crying voice is now totally out of control it really (laughs) doesn't there's nothing i can do about it
1: (laughs) but you're in such a you're being such a raw position right now like this is so fresh and and plus the insanity of lockdown like i don't think like i don't think anyone is doing that well at the moment because we're you know what we're living through is unprecedented insane yeah and, you know, I'm really, I keep thinking about my my grandparents when they would talk about war stories and I'd had that slightly like, oh, right, yeah, interesting. Like my granny was in the Blitz in East End. Oh, right, yeah. And now you're like, I had no idea what it was like to like, you know, when you're actually living through something that's insane and you can't comprehend it. And, you know, the times we're living in, obviously, yeah, we're not getting bombs aren't raining down on us, but it's, it's a very, very bizarre time. So I completely understand what you're, you know, what you're, Having to deal with grief right now is really hard. It's hard. It anyway. is hard.
0: yeah, <laughs> because the world feels so crazy and because it, because there's so many there's so much shit going down and so many people, you know we're trying to make these huge adjustments and accommodations and we're trying to be more thoughtful and we're trying to be kinder to each other. But at the same time, there's such a massive wave of pushback and mm. and alarm in various forms that uh, uh, um, go along with all of those revolutions. Mm.
1: Um, Definitely, and I, we were talking on the Griefcast Twitter a lot, like at early start of lockdown. I was like, any, any griefs is finding this a bit griefy? <laughs> like this feels a bit, like it reminded me of grief, this kind of, yeah. this sense of loss. And I had a, a lot of responses. People were like, yeah, I'm, you know, from old griefs were like, oh, I'm 20 years in and this has brought up so much stuff. And what got me, I don't know, it's different to everyone, When my dad died, I remember looking out the window and seeing people acting normal and being like, fuck you, fuck you with your life. Like, how are you existing? This thing has happened. And I was so angry that people who could go to a shop or like have a life. And then what I learned through 20 years is that 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 like world out your window that you can't deal with is actually really useful because it keeps showing you every day. Life goes on. Life goes on. Life goes on. And eventually you kind of jump back into that river Mm -hmm. and you're like oh yeah I can have a normal day I can live I can be okay now what's happening at the moment is it's like reflected out like the world outside is reflecting how you feel and that's not Mm -hmm. right like you're feeling like I want the clocks to stop I want everything I've got all this sadness and you're looking outside and fucking everyone is like yeah me too and it's like there's nobody being like hey we're at the pub and it's fine come down forget distract (laughs) so you're like oh I don't it's so, it's so. Fun. I find it very strange because I remember feeling so. I wanted everybody to stop for a second and appreciate that this life was too precious. And now they are doing it. I'm like, I, d- I liked it when you were all talking about, you know, EastEnders and drinking. <laughs> go, go back. And I, so I do think, you know, yeah, it's really hard. It's like someone described it as trauma on top of trauma to be grieving what you're going through right now in this time. It's really, 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 really challenging.
0: It's the, the 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 isolation is bad for someone like me because, as I said, you know I tend to sort of dive into things. I, I want to make connections with people who feel the same way that I do, mm-hmm. but I don't want to just ring up friends or just you know. My wife is so lovely and kind, and so are my children, and and they've been great. But there's you reach a point where you just don't want to. I don't want to be just crying guy mm. the whole time it feels that you, know, you, you you know i know no one i hope no one is is sort of judging me for it but i no, i also feel like i also feel like come on mate you you slightly got to get a grip and you've slightly got to just cheer up to a certain degree you know what i mean like i'm not i'm not saying i'm not giving myself I, I too could... hard a time about it
1: yeah you sound like you are as that's, that's a second time guest I'm gonna be like more more on a friend term, because right. <laughs> like normally I'd be like mm-hmm, yeah. yeah I think you're being really hard like it was like what is it it's September fucking hell like there's yeah. no time That's no time and I think you're forgetting what happens with grief is you do have this feeling like three four months in and you're like I need to I need to get and sort myself out and actually a year in you're like why was I rushing this process Yes. like it takes its time if you're a crying guy for the moment that's fine you're not going to be crying guy forever like we you know that with grief you will not as stay in as crying as long as you're absolutely
0: guy. sure about that that's fine no i'm joking
1: but <laughs> i i think so i don't <laughs> no, think you stay I, I, in that I right, think, you're right you're
0: right you know. but but the the way that i deal with it sometimes which might not be healthy is that I find, you know, this this is when art mm. becomes very important for someone like me. And so I go and seek out perspectives and, and ways that people express themselves that I can relate to in, in, in this, um, you know, when I'm in, in this place. And so <laughs> sometimes that's good and uplifting. Mm. Like with music, music's hard, man. Holy shit, mm. because music is like... Turning on a tap, yeah, and, and the you can't hold the feelings back associated with a piece of music, mm. so it's very dangerous. I, you know, I found myself sitting down, listening to music one evening when everyone had gone to bed, and um, a song came on that my mum really loved, <clears throat> Randy Crawford, "Someday I'll Fly Away."
1: Oh yeah,
0: uh, which I really like too, but um, I realised that, that that when I used to listen to it. It always, I, a, a little part of me used to think, shit, one day this song is going to be hard to listen to after Mars. Oh gone.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: And then, and then there it was. It was on shuffle and it popped into my headphones. Mm. And and my instinct was to, to stop it, because I thought mm. I'm not, I can't deal with this. Because the, suddenly the lyrics were like, mm. oh my god, this is like she's talking to me. Someday I'll fly away. You know, what was it leave my leave this dreams world for behind, yesterday. isn't it? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all. A, it, it seemed to me like oh, gee, this is all about mum, and um, so I thought oh, I, I can't listen to this. But then I thought, mate, come on. And so I challenged myself. Mm-hmm. It felt frightening. It felt like I'm going to come apart if I listen to this. Yeah. it's this is freaking me out. But then I thought, come on, you got to make it to the end of someday. I'll fly away, <laughs> and I did. So I thought, oh, well, that was good. And I started seeing um, uh, a therapist. I was going to say, have
1: you, yeah, have you? Yeah, it, yeah, because I did, yeah. I did
0: think like, this is no good. I need to talk to someone. Yeah. And so one of the first things that she said was, was because I was getting sort of flashbacks of the night mm. that she died.
1: Of course, of course.
0: And my technique was just to go la 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 and then block them out, you know. I don't want no And she said no don't do that. You've got to try and sit with them and let them happen. I like, Really? What's the point of that?
1: Also it's like, have you met a comedian? That's not what we do. We do not sit with the uncomfortable. We break the uncomfortable. Now everyone's happy. Yay. Like That's right. Oh God, yeah. So my good. She says like why well, try and sit with it. I don't want to fucking sit with it. <laughs>
0: yeah. So she said, "Well, when those thoughts come into your head, just don't immediately push them out." Mm. And I said, "Why? What is the what's <laughs> to be gained?" <laughs> and she said, "Well, then they you'll realize that they're not going to kill you mm. and they and they, they they become less frightening to you." Mm. I suppose that's that's true. Um and that's quite good and I was able to do it with Someday I'll Fly Away. And I've been able to do it with a few of the kind of f- flashback memories. So that's actually, it's actually been getting better and mm. easier from day to day. I know it doesn't sound like it from the way I've been no, speaking. No, it does, but it does. I haven't spoken about it for a few, yeah. for, for a while. And the I'm... other thing, the other thing though is, is that, that is maybe not healthy is that I've taken a deep dive into the world of Charlie Kaufman.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe, okay. Have you told your therapist? Have <laughs> you let her know?
0: I, we're going to chat. So she's about aware it next what week. she's up
1: with. Yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> give, her, give her a heads up. So she's like, okay, that's where Adam's I'm at. I'm going
0: to ask her if she's. I don't know if she's seen Synecdoche New York, but. Oh my um,
1: God. Have I you seen that? Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it for years, but I remember being like, oh my fucking God, what just happened yeah. to me <laughs> after I It's came a up.
0: massive bummer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's real, <weird. laughs> Isn't it Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman?
0: Yeah. Yes. It's Philip Seymour Hoffman, and it's. Even it's more a sad. Kind of, Crazy Charlie Kaufman-esque rumination mm. on everything bad.
1: Yes. Death
0: and deterioration and time running out. And, and they go
1: and look at a house, don't they? And the house is like, hes like standing in front of a house. It's like crumbling or something. They're like just talking it's about it. It's on fire. So one of the characters
0: goes round to look at a house with the <laughs> real estate agent. Yes. And there's smoke billowing out of the house. And, you know, if you haven't seen a Charlie Kaufman film before, listeners, his stuff is often quite surreal. He was the guy that wrote Being John Malkovich. Yep. And so there's a lot of absurdism <clears throat> and, and strange, surreal elements that um, creep into a lot of his stuff and dream like uh, strange business. It's it's really an extraordinary film, but it is. Depressing. It's really yeah, yeah. pretty it's, depressing,
1: and it doesn't. It, I remember it's relentless, and you're watching it, thinking, in a minute he's going to like take his foot off the gas, and it, and and he'll give me something, and then it yeah. ends, and you're like, what? Yeah, you you did not. No, come on. <laughs> I wanted the scene at the end where like they're laughing over a glass of wine. Exactly. And it's but okay. let's not
0: forget that these you are know? the things that make life so wonderful. Yeah, that's and what it's life not is. all bad. Yeah, no. actually- <laughs> And actually, he leaves like-
1: you. He leaves you in the. The shit bit mm. where you're like, oh, I yeah. think I think you've missed the the last five pages of that script. Where <laughs> you missed ten, the fun part. Yeah, it turns out fine. So you're in, tr- yeah, okay, okay. So I'm in okay. synecdoche
0: <laughs> I'm in key okay. mode. It's really an interesting, fascinating film, albeit a colossal fucking bummer. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, that you, the thing but is, but is whatever that you know, works.
1: The, whatever works. The other, yeah.
0: the other, thing is though, you, you know, because I'm I'm if I'm gonna watch a film that's Dealing with uh, life and death, then I would rather watch Groundhog Day, which has also mm. got... I it's Groundhog Day's got as much, if not more, truth in it mm. than Synecdoche, New York. This well, you is know, the thing.
1: Groundhog Day is based on the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross five stages of grief. Did you know that? No. Yeah. So, because I'm writing about this at the moment. Uh, fun times. Writing about grief and a pandemic, guys. Um, so the guy who wrote it I'm sorry I've forgotten his name but Harold Ramis directed it and basically they were very into psychology and you know that sort of you know how people work despite it being a comedy film and they took the five stages of grief so denial anger bargaining depression acceptance or whatever it is um and they applied it so that's what he goes through so the first time he's doing it like he's like oh i'm in denial it's not happening to me then he gets angry he punches ned myerson like i have a whole chapter on this so i don't to do it. <laughs> <Bing>! um, <ding! laughs> Yeah. pre-order um and um yeah it's entirely based on the idea that five stages of grief and weirdly when you watch it knowing that it becomes a film about death in a really weird way when I was a kid I was like what a funny film he gets stuck in a day and now I'm like this film is about death this film is uh, the whole thing is about dying like it's not it's yeah it's yeah it's really a a weird weird lost 90s film I think it is isn't it late 80s where it takes a long perspective to be like this is probably more of a bummer than Sinodoki New York but they've just remembered to put in the fun bits
0: (laughs) yeah here's some facts for you Groundhog Day, 1993, oh, yes. uh, written go. by Danny Rubin.
1: Danny Rubin, that's it. And I've also been, the other thing I've been reading, which I think might be interesting, is this like Newgree theory, because obviously Kubler-Ross is like the traditional one, but it's bullshit in my opinion. Um, but this the more sort of accepted theory now is that you have to go through, you have to oscillate between the two two different types of grief so you need the grieving the wailing the crying being the crying man looking at the photos going into that deep dive and then you need what they call restoration but when i was in my early grief i would have called like i would have felt guilty about like so you need like the watching crap the watching comedy the like just not thinking about it complete distraction and they actually fully recommend you should be jumping between these two phases Hmm. Okay. Which, yeah, which I always, I remember thinking at the time, like, oh, I feel so guilty, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm at school and I'm not thinking about it, I must be a bad person and actually reading all this stuff, it's like, no, no, that's how humans process. If you stay too much in the deep dive, you can't give your brain a break to go that happened and if you're in too much in the distraction you're not processing but that's how humans do it we we go in the emotion we cry we feel sad then we go and distract and we eat ice cream and we forget about it and actually when you're doing the not deep dive you're processing your brain is going oh that happened didn't it just because you're not thinking about it your brain is like ah they're dead okay okay and you have to keep doing it to yourself because your brain will keep being like are they Is death real is it Are they like, what does that mean? So I think that's a really interesting. Certainly, when I read about it, I was like, oh, that really takes a lot of guilt away how we grieve. Because it's like, that's what you're meant to be doing. You're meant to be jumping between these two states. And and not walking around dressed in black wailing like I think sometimes we hold that that's good grieving isn't it like that's proper if you're just like really sad all the time yeah
0: respectful
1: respectful yeah
0: that's what they would have wanted they would have wanted me to be wandering around crying all the time
1: exactly and I just thought (laughs) I was like oh that's interesting that actually that's fully not what they recommend for health yeah is it bereavement counselling or is it therapy
0: you know what I don't exactly know (laughs) I I don't know
1: what my therapist does either. I'm like, (laughs) uh, she talks to me. Yeah. yeah, I I just got a
0: recommendation from someone I really like. And she said, oh, talk to this woman. She helped me. I was like, fine, I'll talk to her. And it was a few sessions before I I, I did actually say like, so what are we, are you going to fix me? Or (laughs) are we just going to, are you just going to ask me how I feel a lot? Or, and I think she's asking me how I feel a lot Okay, great, great. But I, but every now and again I do, like the other day what was it? She said, uh, "Oh yeah, she was talking about like, are you lonely?" I was like, "Yeah," mm. and and she said, "Oh, that makes me sad." I was like, <laughs> oh, I was like, that's nice. Oh. Yeah, I know. I thought it was weird because I was like, that felt like a bit of a judgment.
1: Yeah, like, mine, mine doesn't say anything. Like she's like, "Are you interesting?" And I'm like, "Oh gosh, yeah. I, I wish she'd say something nice."
0: <laughs> so when she said that makes me sad, I was like, "Oh." Should I not be lonely? I I said like, isn't everyone lonely? <laughs> but I mean, aren't they? I'm gonna. Aren't I'm we all just you...
1: marching towards death? I mean, <laughs> who's ha- who d- isn't who's not lonely? They should be in a bit,
0: here. I'm asking seriously now. Isn't everyone yeah. a bit lonely?
1: Yeah, I think so. I don't. You can't know. ever really know people. <laughs>
0: got, but I don't want to. Too, yeah, too I, be, I mean, this is this is the thing. I'm I'm too much in. Uh, I'm too yeah. much in Charlie Kaufman, Kaufman world.
1: world. I feel like if if I if I was in your house, yeah. As a member of your family, I'd definitely have like a Kaufman watch. Like I'd be like, "You've had one?" And then yeah. I'd be I'd be coming in after one I'd be going, "Are you going to bed now?" Cuz I feel like I'd definitely be I'm that annoying person. I'd be like, "Yeah, I've got to probably turn the telly off now." Which yeah. I think um, That's enough Charlie Kaufman for you. <laughs> You've been stuck in front of that all day now <laughs> i've had it up to here with kaufman 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 just go outside and play you need some fresh air I yeah, it's, but you know that also i also do really validate like whatever works and i think sometimes especially if you've been through grief before like you do you do know what you need I think mm. that's important to trust that of like, and also you're self-aware enough to go, yeah, Kaufman's a bummer. Okay, mm, I am watching it. Okay, I'm aware of that. Like some people would be like, no, it's absolutely fine. Nothing wrong with that. Don't we're talking about? So I think having that self-awareness of what am I doing while I'm grieving? Mm-hmm. And I definitely didn't have that with my dad. I can't say that if it was my first death or I was 15, but I had a friend um, died during lockdown, very suddenly, young lady. And, it was, and I was just like, Proper, like, ow, ow, fuck, grief. And I was, it was, I had a couple of weeks where I was like, oh, fuck, can't, can't cope. What is this? And then again, I was like, Sand, what, what you're saying, I was able to go, okay, you know what you're doing? Like, take a step back. This is grief. Look at it. It's grief. It's grief. It's not we're all alone or the world is over or you can't trust anything like I get the full anxiety like nothing is safe and I was like okay it's just grief and I'm just gonna have to sit with it for a bit and I think that's where you can hope really from learning as a human and having these experiences and deaths is that you you learn a little bit each time Mm -hmm. how to process it and what your process is and if your process is Charlie Kaufman on repeat you know I'd suggest for the next lockdown, (laughs) you like get or you find like something to match it. You know, so you have a Kaufman, and then you watch like a screwball comedy.
0: Yeah, no, I do, I do. Yeah, good. good. But but sometimes it's funny. Like sometimes I find myself typing into Google um, things that are uplifting. Like what? What do I get? I can't remember what the hits are. I mean, you don't you don't oh, get many God. good hits. You get you get a yeah. lot of bullshit, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I tell you what's been working for me. Oh yeah. And uh, and it's good for my family because they like it too. Is just romesh. <laughs> I just watch uh oh, yes. misadventures of Ramesh Ranganathan. He did those shows the the best of shows which I've noticed well Louis did some as well like that's the new trend in TV yeah. is just repackage old shows and then do a few zoom interviews but um but, but Ramesh if you love someone enough, some... you
1: don't mind, do you? Like, yeah, I'm just happy yeah. to spend time with Ramesh.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So He's he so went funny. back. And, and the part of the genius of his show, uh, Misadventures of Ramesh Ranganathan, which is this travel show he does, is he goes to these places like Albania and the Sahara. And, and uh, they hook him up with these local people who are his guides. And they're, they're so great, though, the people that they find. And um, and so he was back in touch with them and having these Zoom calls. Oh, and, nice. And it was really, it really cheered me up. It was great. (laughs) Things
1: things that that are uplifting. Uplifting.
0: uplifting.
1: (laughs) What do you get? Like one result?
0: (laughs) You get 25 fun, uplifting things to do by yourself. (laughs) Go for a walk. Go for a walk in nature. I've done that apart. every
1: day for fucking yep. six months, mate. Like No, yeah. that's good.
0: I agree with that. That's fine. And that is, you know, time it's spent good, with yeah. Rosie going for a walk has definitely been, is always, is always happy and healthy. Um, hug a tree. They are true soul healers. This is the top hit for things that are uplifting. Uh, rearrange your wardrobe and discover old clothes again. Simplify your life.
1: Oh God!
0: Uh, get rid of old clutter. Donate your clothes to a donation centre.
1: Oh God! <laughs> but it's all very. Visit a
0: museum. Meditate for ten minutes. Take a bubble bath. Start a <laughs> start a herb garden. That's what my wife did.
1: Yeah, I got into gardening big time, big time. Yeah, and I love that quote: "If you plant a garden, it means you believe in the future." There you go. Oh, and that, that, that touched me. My heart was like, yes, this is what I'm doing. I am planting things and I'm growing things to cope with this. Like, yeah, yeah it's... But whatever, whatever gets you through, like, if it, yeah, if it's Ramesh and then a cowman to, like, mm. tip off your... That's your whiskey at the end of the night. <laughs>
0: like. What else have we got on this list? <clears throat> oh, God. oh, yeah, we got some good stuff here. <clears throat> Eat several bags of chilli... And sour cream crisps on the go. <laughs> uh, <that's>, um <laughs> masturbate regularly. Okay. Uh, <laughs> drink excessively on what, your own look, in the middle scroll, of the night. Scroll
1: for your Instagram to find people more happy and su- su- successful than you. <clears throat> Compare yourself. Look really closely. <laughs> yeah, how nice right. is their house? How how clean are their children? Right, no, they yeah, yeah. they don't read extensively
0: about the QAnon <clears throat> movement.
1: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can recommend turning off any some of immediate information that's what i did for a few weeks i was like oh you know what i just i just can't take anything i just had a week when i was like i'm just gonna yeah garden and the other massive thing i've been reading about is um being creative after grief that uh-huh. that's seen as one of the best I, again i'm trying to like write about it and i'm like what is it obviously you're it's creating when there's been Uh, uh, removal of life but like the biggest advice is like do something with your hands obviously that's when i read that i was like (laughs)
0: yep yep that's okay got that covered
1: (laughs) but like they talk about like knitting gardening baking drawing painting and part of you is like fucking how it's like readers digest advice like it seems so basic yeah but then you're then then everyone i speak to who who has so many people are like it actively helps your brain process what you've been through it's like the best thing to do for grief is Hmm. to draw to garden to you know, pain. And I always feel bad saying it because I feel like I don't want someone listening to be like, I can't do any of those things. But like there, there is always something you can... you don't have, oh, to, you don't have, don't have to be, be good. good. You don't have to be good, yeah. I find myself, I get into deep dives badly and I just try now to be like, okay, I'm aware we're all alone. I'm aware we're all going to die. So I'm just trying to grab the snippets of joy when they appear. <laughs> like, just like whack-a-mole, just like instead of whacking them, be like, grab that fucking mole. <laughs> like, hold on to it. Because otherwise, it's just a bit bleak, isn't it? It's just... If you can have that balance, but yeah, also caveat that massively with it's just happened to you. Like, this is going to take time. And also, I think it's hard going into winter. I don't know how you feel about that. Going yeah, into winter anyway.
0: Yeah, I don't like winter.
1: No, I'm not a massive fan.
0: <laughs> I really do wish. Yeah, th- those are the times I really envy people who live in a hot climate.
1: And yeah, things like that, yeah. You know? And yeah. longer
0: days. You know, when the when the nights start drawing in, I just think, are oh, you fucker <laughs> it's so great to have a long day it doesn't get dark until after nine you're like
1: yay yeah. great times
0: but then um, yeah when it starts getting all gloomy it's like oh
1: no yeah. but I think that's why I think I know a lot of people are, are doing this and think it's important to be like okay how are you going to survive like what are you going to do in winter which like is such a prime primal thing that we are going to have to face this of like yeah right, I'm going to collect some nuts
0: you- and then I'm going to yeah. go to sleep <laughs>
1: And then have a wank. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm going to take care of my nuts, and I'm I'm going to stay in bed taking care of my nuts. That's what I'm going to do.
1: And then, and then, hopefully, it'll be spring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Adam, on that note. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for talking to me. It was a. T- oh, it's such nice to pleasure. talk to you,
0: Carrie. I really, you know, it's one of the things that I look forward to is doing these podcasts and talking to other people on their podcasts, yeah. and I. I worry, obviously, I worry about everything. I worry that I wang on too much, but I really appreciate the opportunity to do so with someone like yourself.
1: Oh, no, thank you. I really appreciate you coming on to talk to talk to me. And, um, yeah. What was your mum's name? We didn't get her name.
0: Her name was Valerie. And she, she was um, <clears throat> Chilean. Mm. So uh, Spanish was her first language. And um, um, my dad used to call her Conchita, um, which means... Uh, shell And so It means little Shell And I, I always sort of thought In my mind I processed that Like oh that's her, that was her, his nickname for her was Shelly um, But then I spoke to uh, I spoke to someone recently This is the other thing is that Since my book came out mm. Funny people mm. from my past have been getting in touch And some of my um, Old relatives that I haven't spoken to for years And friends of my dad and my mum They've been in touch and they tell me stuff I never knew because I didn't really know that much. Mm. Anyway, turns out that my dad's nickname for my mum was just filth. And <laughs> it was, uh, you know, I guess you can work it out for yourself. Like a kind of yep. conch shell. What does that look like? Yep. Anyway, oh, <laughs> it's a filthy present from the past. <laughs>
1: Fuck it. Parents should not be allowed to do that. I think it's like it's not fair that you can find out stuff and you're like, no, this yeah. is not guys. <laughs> but at I the was... same
0: time, it's like, okay, that's okay. fine. They it's were just fine. like Yeah,
1: me. they were just humans. Yeah. Well, to Valerie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to Valerie. Thank you for talking. Thank you for talking to me, Adam. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Carrie Ed.
1: The Adam Buxton podcast is available from wherever you get your podcast from. If you haven't listened yet, what are you doing? Listen, it's incredible. It's one of the best podcasts out there. He also has a new book, Ramble Book, which I think is out now. Uh, they did it on Radio Four as well, so you can listen to it if you have um, the BBC Sounds app. Uh, other apps are available. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Griefcast. The show was edited by Kate Holland. Music was provided by the Glue Ensemble. Artwork is by Jade Perkin, and I have been Carrie Lloyd. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you have an okay week. And remember, you are not alone.